All right. Amen. Guys, um, we are smack in the middle of this series um, called The Reason I. And it's about the why behind what we do in church. And, and we're doing this series because we realize that, man, sometimes churches just kind of expect you to figure it out. You walk through the doors, we start to sing, then we, you know, we give, we, we, we pray, we study the Bible, we ask you to take notes. And sometimes it's like, why, why are we doing all this stuff? And so it would be really important just to provide a biblical foundation uh, for the why behind what we do. And this morning, uh, we're going to talk about what we just did. Um, we're going to talk about what Becca just did. We're going to talk about believer's baptism and why we are baptized. And so, uh, but I need a couple favors from you. Number one, um, if you have a Bible, I would love it if you want to open it up to the book of Genesis. Genesis chapter 17 is uh, where we're going to start. We're going to look at some Old Covenant stuff, and um, that'll be important. That'll set us up for, <clears throat> for, for why we do this. And so second thing, if you grabbed a bulletin, uh, guys, on the inside of these bulletins, we've got fill-in-the-blank notes. Um, we do expect people here to take notes. And so that's kind of part of worship, that worship is a participatory sport. So when we sing, we sing. We pray, we pray. When we give, we give. And when we study God's Word, we actually study it. So um, you guys can use this, or you can use our digital notes. Do it the same way you did the offering. Scan it. It'll take you uh, to a cool place. Uh, if you've already downloaded our app, this is way easier. You literally open up the FBCE app, which is found in the Google Store or the iTunes Store, and, uh, and literally... You, you just open it up, and, uh, and it's super cool. And uh, right there, you click on the sermons tab, and you've got notes, and uh, it's all in the app. So I want to encourage you guys to do that. I'm going to pray for our time in God's Word, and then we're going to jump in and talk about why we are baptized. Father, um, thank you so much for allowing us to gather in this place this morning. We are excited about opening up your Word and seeing what it has to say about believers' baptism. And Holy Spirit, we just want to invite you into this space. You're the teacher of our church. And so come and fill our pulpit this morning and teach us about Jesus. Teach us about why we should be baptized. Teach us that from the inside out. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Amen. So, guys, this morning I've got three reasons uh, that I want to share with you. As last week, there are more. I can only cover so much. So here's three reasons uh, why we are baptized. And here's the first, guys. We are baptized uh, in order to identify as followers of Christ. We're, we're baptized to identify as followers of Christ. So uh, last week, we talked about the Lord's Supper. We talked about taking communion. And, and we talked about why we do that. And one of the reasons that I, I shared with you guys is we do it because it marks the beginning of the new covenant. Jesus says, do this in remembrance of me. This is the cup of the new covenant in my blood. Do this in remembrance of me. So we talked about what covenants are. And, and really, a covenant is just a promise between two or more parties to do something. That's the most basic definition. And the old covenant began with God showing up to a man named Abram. And, and he says to Abram, hey, listen, uh, I want you to do something for me, Abram. Abram's like, what? He says, I want you to go to a place that I will show you. I, I, I haven't showed it to you yet, but I want you to pack up tonight. I want you to go to a place that I will show you. And if you'll do this, I'm going to make you the father of many nations. And so Abram's like, yeah, sure. He packs up his whole family and he goes. And God says, if you'll do this, I'm going to be your God. You're going to be my people. And I'm going to bless the whole earth through you. And so, so it kind of begins. Now, at at that time, Abram was 75 years old. Guess what? We're going to fast forward. Abram is now 99, and guess what hasn't happened yet? No children. No children. And, and so here in Genesis chapter 17, what we're going to read is God shows up again to Abram. He's actually going to change his name to Abraham here in this passage, which is pretty cool. And he's going to renew his covenant. 
And, and, and it's important, it has to do with this, this conversation about baptism. So here's what God's word says, Genesis 17, starting in verse 1. It says, when Abram was 99 years old, the Lord appeared to him saying, I am God Almighty, live in my presence and be blameless. I'll set up my covenant between me and you and I will multiply you greatly. Then Abram fell face down and God spoke with him. As for me, here's my covenant with you. You will become the father of many nations. Your name will no longer be Abram. Your name will be Abraham, for I will make you the father of many nations. I'll make you extremely fruitful, and you will make nations and kings come from you. I'll make nations and kings come from you. I will confirm my covenant that is between me and you and your future offspring throughout their generations uh, as a permanent covenant to be your God and the God of your offspring after you. And to you and your future offspring, I will give the land where you are residing, all the land of Canaan, as a permanent possession, and I will be their God. God also said to Abram, as for you and your offspring, uh, uh, after throughout the generations are to keep this covenant. And this is my covenant between me and you and your offspring after you, which you are to keep. Every one of your males must be circumcised. You must circumcise the flesh of your foreskin to serve as a sign as the covenant between me and you. Throughout your generations, every male among you is to be circumcised at eight days old, every male born in your household. Okay? I'm going to highlight verse 10 and 11 on the screen. It says, This is my covenant between me and you and your offspring after you, which you are to keep. Every one of your males must be circumcised. All right, kids? You can go home and ask your parents what that means. Parents? You are welcome. Um, and uh, don't have enough time to cover all that, but it's in the text. So, God bless you. Um, but the reason we bring it up is because this old covenant, listen to me guys, this was the identifying mark that you are a part of the covenant. The identifying mark that you were a child of God was, was for the males, the head of the households, and it was circumcision. That was the identifying mark of that old covenant, right? It, God says, I'm going to make a covenant with you, Abram. Here's the covenant, okay? So I'm going to be your God, you're going to be my people, and here's how people will know that you're my people. The way that people will know that you're my people is through this physical act of circumcision. So that's the old covenant, that was the identifying mark. So the question for us then is now we're in the new covenant. That's what Jesus established. So what's the identifying mark of the new covenant? And the answer is baptism. In fact, the Apostle Paul, the reason we go back to Genesis 17, is the Apostle Paul flat out says that baptism is the new circumcision. Right? It's done in the spirit, not in the flesh. So Colossians 2, 11 through 12, Paul writes this. Uh, he says, you were also circumcised in him with a circumcision not done with hands by putting off the body of flesh in the circumcision of Christ when you were buried with him in baptism in which you were also raised with him through faith in the working of God who raised him from the dead. And, and this thought that this is the new identifying mark of the new covenant is throughout all of Paul's letters. Right? And so check this out, Galatians 3, uh, 26 through 7. Ready? For through faith you are all sons of God in Christ Jesus, sons and heirs. For those of you who were baptized into Christ, you have been clothed with Christ. You look like Jesus. You wear the clothes of Jesus. You're part of the family of God. See, that's the identifying mark, which is crazy, right? And then in Romans, he writes this, Romans 6, 3 through 4. Or are you unaware that all of us, 
who were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death. Therefore, we were buried with him by baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, so we too may walk in newness of life. It's a big deal. It's an identifying mark. And guess what? It's not just an identifying mark in order to follow Jesus. See, uh, some of you tuned me out the second I talked about baptism. You guys are like, been there, done that. This has nothing to do with me. No, it has so much to do with you. Because guess what? Baptism is not just the identifying mark of a follower of Jesus. It's also the identifying mark of a disciple of Jesus. About to get you. Y'all ready? Buckle up. Here it is. Matthew 28, 18 through 20. We call it the Great Commission. Jesus came near and said to them, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. So here's our mission on earth, Christians. Ready? So we've already identified. We've become part of the family of God. So we've identified as followers of Jesus. He says, yes, but if you're my disciples, ready? Here it goes. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations. What's that next word say? Baptizing them. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe everything I have commanded you. And remember, I am with you always to the very end of the age. Baptism doesn't just identify us as a follower of Jesus. It also identifies us as a disciple of Jesus. And I'm going to say this to those of you that started to tune me out the moment that I said I'm talking about baptism because you're like, I've been there and done that. Here's what I'm going to say to you. This is every bit as much important. And either you're walking in obedience to that commandment that Jesus gave us or you're walking in disobedience. There is no middle ground. There's not. And church, listen, I, I'm so excited at what God has done in this place. Y'all, we, we, we basically doubled in attendance. We baptized 49 people last year. That string is continuing this year. And we've already had some this year. We've got two more next week. Um, like God is continuing to work. But if we ever forget that that's our mission, if we ever think, well, we've arrived, no, not even close there is a city, all of these homes, all of these families. I'm, I'm so tired. Listen, if, if, if you post on social media about how much you hate traffic or all the new homes or blah, 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 I'm, I, I, it takes everything in me not to comment on your thread as your pastor. Because every one of those new homes and every one of those cars and traffics represents a life that is valuable to God. And it is our mission to reach them with the gospel that Jesus Christ is the only way that they can have a relationship and be reconciled to God. And I am so pumped that there's traffic. And I'm so excited that there's so many homes and we've got to tear up the road in front of the church. You know why we're tearing up the road in front of the church? To make it wider, folks. Right? That's why. Because that many more people are heading this way. Like, you've got to change your mindset and embrace that because baptism is not just the identifying mark of a follower of Christ. It is also what identifies disciples of Christ. May we use this sucker behind me until it is worn out. Right? That's how we'll know we're doing God's will. That's how we'll know we're doing God's will. So the first reason we're baptized is to identify as followers of Jesus. The second reason we're baptized is to mark our salvation so that we'll have a reminder to look back on. To mark our salvation so that we'll have a reminder to look back on. I had a really cool conversation with some youth 
um, coming out of camp about, about this very thing. Both of those guys um, were baptized, which is really, really cool. But we were talking about some of the reasons that we're baptized to identify as a believer. And the second one, um, so that we'll have something to look back on. And I just want to say this. I'm so thankful. Anybody else thankful? You know, we did the Lord's Supper last week. Anybody else thankful for the new covenant? of grace, right? Amen? Come on. Anybody, anybody want to go back to the old way where it's all about your performance? Anybody want to do that? How'd you do this week? Did you kill it? Are you guys righteous? No? Okay. All right. So Jesus is my righteousness. Thank you, Jesus, right? So I'm like so pumped about the new covenant, and I'm so grateful that we don't have to keep up all those Old Testament rituals and, and all the laws that they added to God's Word. I'm so thankful for that, but there are times that I look back and I see some of the things they did, and I was like, man, that was smart. And one of the things that they did often in the Old Testament was they would build these monuments as memorials, as, 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 as things to remember a certain moment when God really moved in a powerful way. And, and, and so like some of those, for instance, um, so let's talk about, we'll start with uh, Abraham's grandson. Uh, uh, Jacob. You guys remember him? So Abraham has a son, Isaac. Isaac has Jacob and Esau. So uh, w- one of his grandsons, Jacob, uh, has a dream. And Jacob has this vision, and he sees this ladder uh, going up into heaven, and people ascending and descending. And he he is like he is shook, y'all. He's like ah, like he's like man, God, like he knows God is there, and so he takes the place, and he like renames it. He's like man, this place is now called Bethel, which means house of God. So this is going to be it's going to be the house of God, and and so he builds he builds this really cool thing. So I'm in Genesis 28. We're going to read four verses. I'll put them on the screen. Break them up. Genesis 28, 18 through 22. It says, early in the morning, Jacob then took a stone that was near his head. This is the stone that he was laying on. Right? Old Testament pillow. Um, So he's going to take the stone that he is laying on that was near his head, and he's going to set it up as a marker, and then he pours oil on top of it, and he named that place Bethel, uh, though previously the city was named Luz. Um, Woohoo! Bethel's way better. Then Jacob made a vow. Here's the vow. Ready? If God will be with me and watch over me during this journey that I am making, if he provides me with food to eat and clothing to wear, and if I return safely to my father, family, then the Lord will be my God. Ready? The stone that I have set up as a marker will be God's house, and I will give to you a tenth of all that you give to me. By the way, we just practiced that a second ago. You guys are like, is that biblical? Yeah, it is. House of God, baby. And this becomes a really important place. And the Israelites will return there. In fact, when the kingdom's divided, there's a whole temple set up there. The Ark of the Covenant is actually stored in Bethel. Or Bethel is what we call it now, but it's Bethel is how you pronounce it. The Ark of the Covenant is actually stored there for a period of time. Like, this is an important place for the nation of Israel. Okay? And, and what was it? He set up a marker. God moved. He set up a marker. Let's look at another one. Um, we're, let's not put it on the screen yet, 1 Samuel yet. Uh, I'll get there. But um, So in 1 Samuel uh, chapter 7, uh, the prophet Samuel goes to the nation of Israel. He's like, hey, we need to repent. He's like, we got to get right with the Lord. And so he takes them out to this place called Mizpah. And, and he's going to go there. And he's like, hey, we are going there. Ready? <laughs> Here's the field trip, church. Ready? We're going to go out there and confess our sin. How many of you signing up for the trip? 
A little hard to get, we can get sign-ups for chili cooking. It's hard to get sign-ups for sin confession, right? But they're like, we're in. And so they go out to this place just to lay bare their sin before God, to get right with God. But guess what? The Philistines hear that, that Israel's going to do this. And they're like, oh, they're going to be out confessing their sins. Let's slay them. And so the enemy comes up. So Samuel, being a prophet of God, he, he makes a burnt offering unto the Lord and he begins to pray. And God shows up. And when the Philistines try to attack, he confuses them. They start attacking each other and running around like crazy people. And the Israelites chase them. It's a major victory for Israel. And here's what Samuel does. 1 Samuel seven twelve. It says, Afterward, Samuel took a stone and set it up right between Mizpah and Shen. And he named it Ebenezer. He named the stone, y'all. He named it Ebenezer, explaining the Lord has helped us to this point. Which is why when we sing the hymn, Come Thou Fount of Every Blessing, we sing a line that says, Here I raise my Ebenezer. And that term Ebenezer means stone of help. It means God is fighting for me. We still sing this in church today. God is fighting for me. He is my helper. Right? Wow! And it comes from this right here. That's cool, man. We're still celebrating that stone even now. One of my favorite uh, monuments in the Old Testament is when Israel is finally going to cross into the Promised Land. Moses has died. Joshua's now leading. And so uh, God's speaking to him. He says, man, take the Ark of the Covenant. Now, now all they have to do is cross a river. You're like, okay, that's cool. It's not like a whole sea. You know, it's not like an exit. It's just a river. Problem, river is at flood stage, right? So it's over its banks. It's moving so fast. If they step in, they're gone. And God's like, nope, step in anyway. I'm your God. I'm going to give you this land. You've got to trust me. You've got to trust me. If you want the land, you've got to trust me in this, right? Go tell the priest. <laughs> Fun to be in ministry. Go tell the priest to take the ark and get into the water. I don't care what it looks like. Yeah, buddy. You're like, I want to be in ministry. Do you really? Because welcome to the flood, right? And you're just going to step. You're just going to say, and the moment they do, it stops. And not only does it stop, y'all, it dams up like miles down. Just a wall of water builds up in the sky. They can see the water way up in the air, and it's dry ground. They're like, oh my gosh. They walk across on dry ground, and God's like, hey, dude, y'all should probably remember this. And so Joshua was like, yeah, that's a good idea, Lord. So they build, they build this monument. Joshua uh, 4, 7 says, you should tell them. This is when people ask about these 12 stones. So they pile up 12 stones. And so why are we doing this? So you can tell the people that come after you. can tell your children. So you can tell them that the water of the Jordan was cut off in front of the ark of the Lord's covenant. When it crossed the Jordan, the Jordan's water was cut off. Therefore, these stones will always be a memorial for the Israelites. If you haven't read that story, go read Joshua 4, like 1 through 7. It's, it's amazing. It's a great, great story, right? And that's one of the things that believer's baptism does for us. One of the things that believer's baptism does for us is it sets up a monument. It sets up a reminder. Y'all, listen, I, I don't want to like burst your bubble, but the devil's real. Like maybe, yeah, like I know it's more, probably more comfortable to not say that. You'd be like, oh, just think your best thoughts. Pastor Happy Thoughts is here for you. Um, no, the devil's real. Uh, he, he's real. He's active. He hates you. He wants to destroy you. He's a liar. The Bible calls him a thief. Not just is he a liar. He's actually called the father of lies. And, 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 and he's a thief. He wants to steal, kill, and destroy, Jesus says. And he wants to steal your joy. And not only does he want to steal your joy, he wants to steal your assurance. 
And Satan will come after you and make you question whether or not you know God. He will come after you and, and, and attack you and attack you and attack you. And one of the things that baptism does is it serves as a point that we can always go, no, 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 uh-uh, Satan, I remember. <laughs> see that monument right there? I remember. I see that picture. I remember. Now listen, I didn't know everything then, but I knew enough, baby. I knew that Jesus died for my sins. I gave my life to him. My life was changed from that point on. And just because I've messed up a few times, that doesn't mean that I don't know him. I know him. Here's the symbol, right? And we, we look back and we remember, man, it matters. I'm going to say this. I've been doing this for a little bit. Um, uh, this year is like 24 years in ministry for me, which is silly, right? That's, that's, uh, ooh, that's half, half my life. That's, yeah, I'll be 48 this year, so that's half my life. Um, and I wish I could graph it. I wish I could tell you a percentage. I can't. All I can tell you is I, I have historically, through 24 years of doing this, there is a marked difference in the life of those people that put their faith and trust in Jesus and then follow it with, with baptism between those and, and those that say they believe in Jesus, but they never do. There's a marked difference in, in assurance in, in the way that God uses them, in the fruit in their I, I, I don't know how to explain it. I, I, I'm just telling you it's real. Uh, you guys can either choose to believe me or, or reject it. But I, I'm just, I, I've seen it time and time and time again. So that's the second reason we're baptized, so that we'll be able to remember, reflect, um, that we'll, we'll be able to remember what God's done for us. Which brings us just to our last one y'all, is that we're baptized in obedience to Scripture in order to publicly profess Christ as Savior and Lord. We're baptized in obedience to Scripture in order to publicly profess Christ as Savior and Lord. It really is an act of evangelism, telling other people that we put our faith and trust in Christ. Uh, and, and so I just want to say this to you, not trying to hurt your feelings, but Jesus expects his followers to be baptized after they put their faith in him. It's just an expectation. And, and in fact, we, we, we see it in Mark 16, 15 through 16. He says this. He says to them, Go into all the world and preach the gospel to all creation. Whoever believes, get this, and is baptized. That's the expectation. Whoever believes and is baptized will be saved. But whoever does not believe is going to be condemned. And, and so there's this expectation. There's also an order uh, to it, by the way. So here's the order. Uh, just, it's uh, whoever believes, whoever comes to faith in Christ, and then is baptized. That's the order. Um, it's totally possible to get it in the wrong order, okay? I'm living proof of that. Uh, I've been baptized three times. You're like, what? Uh, I guess the first one was a christening. I don't know. Uh, my stepmom was Catholic. My mom was mad. Um, so she, she took me to Mass, uh, had, me, had me christened, baptized there in, in the Catholic faith as, as, uh, you know, as an infant, um, didn't know Jesus. Dated a girl in high school who was Church of Christ. They believe that the water physically washes away your sin. Um, there's some arguments there like, hey, a thief on the cross was never baptized. Jesus said, you're going to be with me today in paradise. So don't think that it's that important. But anyway... Um, so, so, but, but they believed it, and so, so I was dating her. Her parents were like, if you're going to date her, you've got to go to church. I go to church, and like after like a year and a half, she's like, you're going to get baptized next week. And I was like, I am. Um, had no idea what that meant, and so she literally put her foot on me, kicked me into the aisle, uh, invited my mom to church, which was weird. And, um, and so I go up forefront, and the guy's like, well, Jason, I heard that you're coming to receive Jesus as Lord and Savior and be baptized today for the repentance of your sins. I was like, sure. No clue what that meant. Zero clue. So I was baptized that day, and I got wet. In fact, they didn't tell you to be prepared. Uh, Becca, you should be thankful for this. We told you to bring a change of clothes. I didn't get that info, right? A little awkward, 
A little awkward. That's all I'm saying. After church is strange. So uh, it, it just just weird info. And, uh, and so I, I got wet, but I was not changed. And then when I came to know Christ as my Lord and Savior, 1920, uh, man, after accepting Jesus, then I was baptized, and it matters. And I look back to that baptism on a regular basis when the devil is mean and picks on me, right? And so the order matters, okay? But the expectation also matters. Whoever believes and is baptized, it's just expected. You, you should do this. If you believe in Jesus, then, then you, should be, you should be baptized, right? It's, it's this post-conversion kind of thing. It, it, it should happen. Now, I do want to point out, if you read that, you may, you may think that baptism is necessary for salvation. When you read the next scripture, you definitely will. That's not the case. Again, the thief on the cross, it says, whoever believes and is baptized will be saved, but whoever does not believe will be condemned. It doesn't say whoever is not baptized will be condemned. Look at that verse carefully. It says whoever does not believe. Jesus said, I didn't come to the world to condemn the world, but so that the world might have life through me. But whoever doesn't believe is already condemned. Okay, right, so that's, that's that same thing. So it's about belief, faith, uh, faith, having faith or not having faith in Jesus is what brings condemnation ultimately. So, but, but back to the expectation. So let's just walk through the book of Acts. This is cool. First sermon ever preached by Peter in the book of Acts. It goes something like this. He preaches that Jesus is the only way. They're pricked to the heart. They said, what, what, what must we do? Acts 2.38, he says, repent and be baptized each of you in the name of Jesus Christ. That's what you have to do. Repent and be baptized, each of you, right? It's, just, it's repent, come to faith in Christ, be baptized. It's just this expectation. Uh, in Acts chapter 8, uh, the guy named Philip, so Philip, is, is, uh, he goes to Samaria, starts a big church, um, and all, all these Gentiles come to know Christ, then, then God is like, hey, Philip, I know you're a successful pastor. I want you to take everything you have and go to the middle of nowhere. So he goes on this road in the middle of nowhere. Like, it literally leads to a town that had already been decimated. And, and there, he's sitting, just waiting, Going, okay, Lord, what was this about? And here comes a chariot. And in the chariot is a guy from Ethiopia, a eunuch. And he's reading out loud from the scroll of Isaiah. Now, the chariot doesn't stop. Philip runs up to the chariot. It's like, hey, what you reading? Right? It's a little weird. Right? A little strange. And he just runs up. He's like, well, I'm reading from this book of Isaiah, but I don't know what it means. And so he's just running with him. He's like, well, I could be. And he begins to explain. It never says how long before the guy's like, well, hey, you're hop in. Right? I think it was a long time. i just like to see that in my mind. Philip was in really good shape. Right? Strengthened by the Lord. But he, he says, so beginning with where he is in Isaiah, he explains to him all of Scripture, how it points to Jesus as the suffering servant, as the one true Lamb of God that would be sacrificed for the sins of mankind. And he explains to him that he just has to put his faith and trust in Christ. And so the guy evidently believes in Jesus. And look at, at the response, Acts 8, 36 through 38. So as they're traveling down, uh, the road, they come to some water, and the eunuch just says, look, there's water. What would keep me from being baptized? So he orders the chariot to stop. Both Philip and the eunuch went down into the water, and he baptized him. Just a, na a natural progression, a natural result. The apostle Paul, who is persecuting the church, who refuses to believe that Jesus is the way. He's taking people that are preaching that Jesus is the only way. He's locking them up in jail. He's on the road to Damascus. He's going to arrest more Christians to throw them in jail. And Jesus Christ appears to him. Post-resurrection blinds him. Glory of God blinds him. And he's like, Wait, who, 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 are you per who is this? I, why are you persecuting? And God's like, it's me, Jesus, Paul. You're persecuting me, Paul. Aren't you supposed to be living for me? Don't you love God? I'm the way, the truth, and the life. Right? He has this interaction with Paul, and it changes Paul. Paul comes to faith in Christ in this moment, 
And, and listen, he's like, you've got to go find this man named Ananias. He's going to pray for you. And, and so, because Paul's blinded. And so, so, so this guy prays for him. And listen to this, Acts 9, 18. At once, something like scales fell from his eyes. By the way, there's, there's something important there. Now he can really see. Now he can really see. Now he's spiritually alive. And look at this. It says, then he got up and was baptized. It's like, it's just immediate. And this pattern we see over and over again in the New Testament through the book of Acts. Someone comes to faith and then they are baptized. It's an act of obedience. But y'all, it's not just an act of obedience. also this proclamation that we believe in Jesus. It's, it's proclaiming that he really is the son of God. That he's the savior of the world. There, there's this evangelism component to it. People are being baptized. They're identifying themselves with Christ during a time, by the way, that if you did that, you could be put to death. So could we just think about what happened here a moment ago with Becca and praise God, we live in the country we live in. But, but if we were back in New Testament times, Becca would have stood up before everybody and said, yes, I put my faith and trust in Christ and he is Savior and Lord and she would have been baptized. And anybody that had seen that could know that she's a follower of the way and have her arrested or even put to death. And they did it anyway. And they did it over and over and over. And the gospel spread like wildfire. <laughs> right? It was a proclamation. No, this is the way. This, he, he, Jesus is it. And this is what Jesus says about that kind of faith. About people that are willing to stand up in a room full of other people and proclaim that they've put their life fully in his hands. They've put their eternal like future in his hands, that they believe that he is the only way to God. This is what Jesus says about those people, Matthew 19, 32, 33. He says, therefore, everyone who will acknowledge me before others, they will also acknowledge, I will also acknowledge him before my Father in heaven. Anyone who stands up and professes, I'm the way, the truth, and the life, anyone, anyone who believes in me and they profess that before others, I will acknowledge him before my Father in heaven. But whoever denies me before others, I'll also deny them before my Father in heaven, right? I heard something about baptism this week and why it's so important, why we should talk about it in the church. I've got to wrap up. Um, but here's, here's, here's the gist of it. It, it. There's nothing more crucial to the mission of the church uh, than this. B- because this puts on full display who our hope is in, who, who we put our trust in. It's the picture that Christ died for us, was buried, rose again. And it's also literally one of the most evangelistic things that churches do. And, and here's the quote he said that kind of got to me. He said, many people will share the gospel with more people on their baptism day than they will the rest of their lives. They invite more family and friends and they testify that Jesus is their Lord and Savior. They, they do more on their baptism day for the kingdom than they will on any other day of their lives. Isn't that crazy? Man. So what do we do with all that, guys? I'm, I'm going to go through this quickly so I can get you out of here. Number one, first and foremost, I, I pray you'd accept Jesus as your Lord and Savior and commit to being baptized as a public declaration of your faith. Um, we, we've got two more baptisms next week. We've got a mother and daughter and really cool story they've been attending. Uh, they've heard the gospel several times. They know that God loves them. And so this week, it, it, they were just sitting down with Pastor John talking through things and came to this realization, man, we've heard the gospel over and over and over again in this church but we haven't yet received it personally, right? It's one thing to hear that God loves you, that God wants to forgive you, that Jesus came and he died on the cross to pay for your sins. But at some point, you, you personally have to accept that. And you say, how do I do that? We just do that through prayer. You say, yeah, Jesus, uh, according to your word, and I, I know 
Bible says we've all sinned. I've sinned. And, and I know that the penalty of that sin is death and separation from God, but I, I believe you died on the cross for me. I believe it. I believe in you. Just come into my life. Forgive me of my sins. And that, that simple kind of prayer, man, God, that's effectual. And, and the Bible says that that person is saved, right? That they are saved. They, they will be with God forever in heaven. And that person who does that then should follow it up with baptism. That baptism isn't going to save you, but it is powerful in effect, okay? Second, if you've made a personal decision to follow Jesus, but you haven't followed that with baptism, I would ask that you talk to a pastor today. I'm going to be down here at the end of the message, y'all. Um, the cool thing about what God is doing here, um, we have a, a, a sweet, young, young family. They're so young. They're so young. They started a family so much earlier than I did. And I'm like, oh my gosh, you guys are so young. How are you doing this? But they're doing it. And it's awesome. And they've been here since we opened in June. And she said to me, man, listen, I, I came to know Christ probably around Christmas time. And I'd really like to be baptized. Who do I talk to about that? She just said that after the second service last week. I'm like, you talk to me. You're talking to the right person. Let's go. She's going to be baptized soon, right? I just want to implore you, it matters. And the order is important. We're supposed to be baptized after we come to faith in Christ, not before, okay? So, so I, I just, man, listen, it, it matters. So if, if you want to talk to somebody about that, we're here. And I, I think that might be a good portion of you. And, and we're so thankful for that. Third, um, I would challenge you to regularly reflect on your baptism as a reminder of what Jesus has done for you. And, and like make your baptism an Ebenezer. Like, right, guys, you were saved by grace through faith. You were saved by God's grace through faith. It, it's like your faith is going to waver, by the way, but you weren't saved by faith. You were saved by grace through faith. The stone of help, by, it's God's grace. Baptism is this great sign of grace. Look at what God did for me. And, and when the devil comes out to you, it's always helpful to have that monument to remember. Lastly, guys, I want to really challenge you, and, and this, I hope this hits home with, with a good chunk of you that have been here a long time. I want to challenge you to obey the Great Commission. To obey the Great Commission. Listen, we've got a motto around here. Worship, learn. Anybody know the last one? Serve. Awesome. You guys are doing so good at that. But there's really a word that kind of encompasses all those others that has to be an active part of worship, learn, serve. Ready? And that word is share. We're all called to the Great Commission. Yeah, we're supposed to love the Lord our God with all of our heart, with all of our soul, with all of our mind, worship. We're, we're supposed to learn. Jesus learned and grew. And, and so we're supposed to be discipled. We're, it's called equipping so that we can make disciples. That's supposed to happen. We're supposed to serve because Jesus didn't come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. But we are also called to share. This is our mission. Ba baptism is, is, is at the forefront. Great commission. Win people to Christ. Have them baptized. Teach them everything we know. That's the mission of the church, right? And that's something we have to embrace personally. So I, listen, I, I asked a few weeks ago, how many of you invited somebody to church this week? Like nobody raised their hands and your pastor's heart was crushed. All right? So I just, I want to remind you, we're, we haven't arrived. We are not there yet until we become people whose spiritual DNA is, is focused on the mission of God, okay? So this is really cool what God is doing, what God has done, but he is not done. So I want to challenge you with three questions to ask yourself weekly. 
I want you to take this slide, take a picture of this slide. I want you to set a reminder on your phone. I want you to ask yourself these questions every single week. I don't care which day you pick. Pick whatever your best spiritual day is. I don't care. Do it midweek. Like, do it Wednesday, and you're like, oh my gosh, I only have two more days. I forgot this. I don't care. But here's the questions we should ask ourselves every weekly. So, so you say, I'm called to share the gospel. I'm, I'm called, like, what, 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 are there levels to that, Pastor? Yes, there are. So I'm going to give you the easy win. Invite somebody to church. They'll hear the gospel here. I promise. It's going to be preached. So that's the easy win. Just invite somebody to church every week. So that's easy, right? So the, the next one, also pretty easy win. Have I shared a God story with somebody this week? Have you told anybody what God has done for you this week? Man, I was reading God's word and he did this. Or man, at such a great, awesome uh, uh, youth service Wednesday night. It was so cool. We played this game. And like You talked about a game. They still want to come to church because of it. Let's go. That's an easy win, right? Just share God moments. Man, I was reading my Bible and God really touched me with this verse. Like, have you done that with anybody this week? We are either walking in obedience to the Great Commission or we are walking in disobedience to the Great Commission. I fear many of us think that we're walking in obedience to God's ways, but we're completely disobeying the mission, which means we are not walking in obedience. We're actually walking in disobedience. So those are the two easy wins. Here's the hard one. Actually share Jesus with them. Sometimes you have to do one and two a whole lot before you can do number three, okay? Just being honest with you. But it matters. It matters. Church, I, I, my prayer, I, I mean it, I, I hope this becomes part of our DNA. I'm going I'm to try purposely to talk about it more and more and more. These three things, we should ask ourselves these three things every week. And if we do, I believe that we'll start walking in obedience to the Great Commission, okay? Baptism is not just an identifying mark for followers of Jesus, it is meant to also be an identifying mark for disciples of Jesus. You guys pray with me. Father, thanks for loving us, and uh, thank you for allowing us to gather this morning. Uh, God, we pray that you would um, help us internalize this message, make the most of it, make the most of you. God, we love you. It is in your name we pray these things. Amen. Um, Y'all,